welcome to another exciting edition of Bulls in the Ring. Um, we're having a really good uh, run here with some uh, one of my favorite sports, the NASCAR drivers. We are, yes. We, um, we originally had Candace Harbin on, Miss Monster Energy. We've had Jesse Little on, and now we have Xfinity driver Spencer Boyd. What's going on, Spencer? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome. Um, right now, Spencer has a uh, limited time, so we want to get right into this. He's going to get a haircut to look styling out there, so uh, we don't want to miss anything with him. So, uh, Spencer, why don't you get into tell us a little about yourself, how you got in the racing, um, where you're living now. You know, was, did you always grow up in a racing area? What, what what's your backstory? You know, you never know if it's going to work out. And 
this sport. Uh, it comes down to money, and uh, you got to find sponsors and things like that. And we've all worked hard, and you know, I got uh, you know PR guy that helps out. And, um, I do a lot of marketing, and then I have a marketing guy that helps out. And it's just uh, a big team effort. And I was able to make my first NASCAR Truck Series start uh, at um, 20 years old at Martinsville for Mittler Brothers, which was a team based out of uh, Missouri. So uh, a lot of cool things, you know. McMurray drove for him. Carl Edwards drove for him. Uh, Kozlowski drove for him at one time. So a lot of big names went through Mittler Brothers. And uh, to get my first NASCAR start with a team that's out of my hometown was really special. Well, it's definitely a laundry list of great drivers right there. Um, so like I said, that, that's got to be a boost to your confidence. Um, yeah, it's uh it was pretty special to uh, drive that 63 car. And, you know, um, Mike Mittler's uh, having some health issues with, with cancer right now. So, uh, you know, everyone in the garage knows that. And uh, everyone's, you know, thinking of him. And uh, a lot of us got our first start with Mike. So uh, um, hopefully I'm uh, another guy on that long list. Oh, absolutely. And we'll wish him uh, our best. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, you started, you said that your parents kind of sacrificed everything. So a lot of what you consider your success so far has been based off of them was this a family team or did you drive for someone else in the beginning there with like you know the move to uh the carolina all that how did that yeah. come about well you know go-karts i was uh you know my we had sponsors and stuff for different go-karts and things like that but you know my my dad took care of it and we did everything out of our uh garage at the house and all that fun stuff but then when i went to legend cars uh, at that point it's very competitive. Um, I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, I ran uh, legend cars against David Reagan, uh, Chad Bencham, um, Gus Dean. I mean, there's a lot of guys that uh, that are in NASCAR now and uh, that ran legend cars. So uh, you, you had to be competitive. It was a really tough field. So at that point, you start driving for teams and guys that have been setting up legend cars for years. So I got my start driving for a team out of um, just outside of Charlotte uh, called BD Racing, and they would bring, you know, 15, 20 drivers to the racetrack. And uh, we just went there because it, it really saved the learning curve of my dad having to learn about a legend car. And my parents were like, we don't want to make your learning curve longer than it needs to be, you know. And I think that's what a lot of drivers, you get to a certain level and it's, you know, your parents or your friends that are mechanics can only get you so far. And at some point you got to go try and get with, you know, a so-called professional. And um, that's when I started driving for BD and then I, I switched to Farbo Motorsports. And, and that's where I had most of my success. Uh, in 2012, we won 23 out of 43 legend car races, average finish 1.7. So if we didn't win, we finished second. Uh, we had, like, one DNF. I mean, um, and Ryan Farbo, the team owner, was actually a uh, front-end mechanic uh, for, like, three or four championships with Jimmy Johnson, and then he went out and started his own legend car team. So um, when I say, you know, these guys are professionals, it's crazy at these young ages and, uh, you know, smaller race vehicles, go-karts, legend cars. I mean, there's some major talent, you know, that, that works on that, and, then I went into race and late models here in North Carolina for a uh, small team. A uh, guy named Scott Whitaker, he was racing, driving his own stuff, and kind of got to a point where he wanted to help someone else and give them an opportunity to drive. And financially, I was 
in a position where I really needed someone to give me a chance, you know, and, and help me. Um, I was getting ready to graduate high school, and I wasn't sure what was next, if it was go off to college, you know, leave my leave my parents that just moved, uh, you know, a couple years ago across country uh, for my racing dream was at the end of racing, and um, luckily Scott gave me a chance, and I ran 21 late model races with him, and we won uh, like 18 of them. And um, that really put me on the map when it came to the Carolinas and, uh, you know, getting approved to run a truck race. And um, my uh, my grandpa, you know, I mean, he wasn't rich by any means, but he helped me um, make my first uh, ARCA test at Daytona, which allowed me to be eligible to race um, a truck race at Martinsville. So, you know, my story is, a lot of people believing in me, uh, giving me the opportunity, and uh, to this day, you know, uh, running full-time Xfinity for Bobby Daughter, who was a uh, previous driver himself and, and won in the Bush Series, you know, back in the day. And um, I've just been lucky that uh, people have believed in me and, and given me an opportunity. And, you know, I grew up, can't wreck race cars. you got to be cautious, but you also got to prove yourself. So you don't want to ride around. Um, you got to be cautiously aggressive and make the most of every opportunity because I definitely never knew, uh, you know, if there were going to be more opportunities or which one was going to be my last. Okay. Now, you said that you, you did t- a testing at Daytona, Super Speedway, obviously. You've, um, you've run at Hickory, which is a short track. You said Martinsville, you know, the paper clip there. What do you think is your best suited track for your driving style? Are you a super speed, speedway guy? Are you a short track guy? Are you like the mile and a half? What What is your perfect track, if you will? Yeah, well, for me, um, I love short track racing because that's what I grew up doing. You know, I can, uh, you know, my first truck race was at Martinsville, and we were, uh, we wrecked running in the top five in the 63 truck. And, uh, you know, most people that follow the sport know that that truck, doesn't run that high all the time so um it kind of put me on the map as far as you know some credibility in my driving style and uh, i like to where you can lean on guys and my favorite nascar track um i've only been to martinsville once with that truck race but i've been to iowa three times i've been to new hampshire a couple times um richmond a few times i mean those are my favorite i think richmond is my all-time favorite racetrack because you can lean on people there's still a lot of speed but there's great racing. There's a lot of gas and brake. Um, I like when you're dancing on the pedals and um, you really got to get aggressive with it. And uh, that, that's the most fun for me. Excellent. Now, going into race day, you're sitting at the track. What's your what's your usual race day prep? Like, what you wake up in the morning, is, is there anything you got to do? Any superstitions? Anything like that? Yeah, I, I think most of us, you know, it's funny. Uh, you don't talk about it all the time, but I think most of us have superstitions when it comes to uh you know race day you know you get up uh i kind of go through the same motions you know shower brush my teeth do the whole thing it's like you're just in a routine to where you're not really thinking about anything you just you're just doing it right and then you get to the racetrack and you treat every racetrack like the same uh when it comes to just uh, you know, drinking your Pedialyte before the race because those Xfinity races are pretty long and a lot of them are midday, so it gets hot, especially through the summer stretch. But um, you're trying to hydrate. Um, for me, I do a lot with my sponsors. Um, PR guy Josh, you know, helps me out a lot when it comes to entertaining the sponsors. 
telling them my story and, and getting them involved in that day's, um, you know, work. You know, what that track, we talk about the banking, the surface. We talk about what they can expect for the race and how we feel we're going to qualify and things like that. So uh, every week you go through that similar situation, and then it's, it, you get to race time. And at that point, it's like that's the time that I'm alone by myself. So when I get in the car and, you know, you're getting all buckled in and getting ready to, uh, you know, start your engines and all that, and the guys come over the radio, you know, telling you, you know, 30-second countdown, then all of a sudden you just take a deep breath. And for me, that's like, all right, now I've done all the, all the hard work of, you know, getting here and getting prepared and ready to go. And now this 30 seconds, we're about to just go light them up and, and have a lot of fun and um, leave it all on the racetrack. And, you know, I know my crew chief's going to do the best he can. Uh, Spotter's going to do everything they can to put me in a good spot. And, you know, I'm, you're just going to let your ability take it from there and, and get what you can get on the racetrack. And um, for the next three hours, you're not thinking about anything but driving that race car as hard as you can. And I think that's why we all... Uh, all of us drivers love racing and love the sport because you're not thinking about anything on the outside. And, you know, for me, I put my helmet and gloves on the same way every time. And uh, if someone's talking to me and gets me tripped up, I start over because it's, uh, it's a superstition. If, if I put the right glove on first and uh, <laughs> I always do the left one first, I'm like, wait a minute, I got to start back. I take them off and just kind of reset uh, because you, you get comfortable doing things the same way over and over and, and you do get superstitious about it all right we always like to do a little bit of a rapid fire question with our uh, guests here so like i said we we heard your um favorite tracks you know being a short track iowa things like that what is your least favorite track least favorite i'm gonna go with pocono okay that's right in our neck of the woods we're <laughs> we're about 45 minutes away from there yeah it's uh that place uh it gets boring. Those straightaways are too long. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. My my dad used to go there when he was, you know, when he was around, and he he always said he's like, you can't. It's hard seeing over in uh, that third turn, and it's just. He said it's such a big track. Yeah, so. it's huge. It's like driving down the highway, and then all of a sudden you turn. So uh, for <laughs> me, I like the short tracks because you're, you know, you're just mentally on the go the whole time, and anything can happen. Uh, Pocono. Even though it's really fast, it just seems slow motion because the straightaways are so long. Okay. What's your hardest hit so far? What's the lick that you took that kind of shook you up? Yeah, for me, um, I was fortunate enough to not tear up a lot of stuff growing up, probably because uh, I didn't have the money to fix it. But um, <laughs> when it comes to, uh, to hardest hits, um, I, uh, I had a pretty hard hit at, uh, at Talladega this year. And uh, in the Xfinity car, and um, kind of got airborne and knocked my knees underneath the dash. And at that point, you're like, okay, well, uh, you know, I'm not used to this, so I think I'm going to put padding under the dash just in case this stuff happens again. But um, you know, it, things happen quick. So um, when you do get in a hard impact, it's it's over before you know it. And um, you know, the cars are so safe. NASCAR does such a great job. And uh, you know, the Han device and things like that. I don't think any of us really ever worry because, uh, you know, it's your job to go out there and drive fast. And if you're worried about that stuff, you, you probably wouldn't be driving to the best of your ability anyway. Um, so uh, we're lucky that NASCAR has uh, taken it serious when it comes to safety. 
But uh, sometimes those licks uh, will remind you that it's uh, <laughs> that that wall is hard. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, you you've been driving uh, full time. Who is your best friend at the track? Who's the guy that you're going to sit there and, and you know BS with before a race, things like that? Who's your Who's your buddy? Yeah, um, man, I, I grew up, you know, not wanting to be friends with anybody at the racetrack. And then, <laughs> I like that attitude. <laughs> I always feel like, yeah, you know, you always feel like that's a competitor. You know, I'll wreck my mom for the win. I don't care. Um, and you got to have that fire when you put the helmet on. And, you know, at, at the NASCAR level, there's not a lot of practice. So you do need to have those guys, you know, yeah, they're friends. I mean, I don't think you're grabbing drinks with them after the race and things like that, like people did in the old days. But um, you got to have that guy that you can go, man, you know, are you lifting here? How much brake are you using? But, you know, those guys aren't Elliot Sadler and the top guys. I mean, those guys are the best of the best. They're not going to tell you all that information. Right. So um, you talk to the guys. Like, for me, Josh Williams and Josh Balicki, we always joke around. It's the two Joshes that I'm always with on social media and my PR guys, Josh, the people joke around about it a lot, but, um, we come from similar backgrounds and we have the similar amount of experience in NASCAR. So a lot of us go through the same things, you know, we're experiencing the same issues at these racetracks and it's cool to talk about it, but I'll turn any of them for the win and I'll lean on them for a spot. And we all have that respect for each other that we're not trying to wreck each other. But when it comes to the race, you owe it to your sponsor and your team to beat as many race cars out there as you can. Oh, absolutely. Um, on the other hand now, who's the driver that you maybe don't like? Who's maybe tussled with you a little bit too much or maybe giving you a few too many uh, you know, bump drafts here and there? Who, who's, the, who's that guy, if you don't mind a- uh, answering? Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't want to give names. You know, there's guys that you're like, oh, man, I hate racing this guy, you know, or, man, he makes a lot of dumb decisions. Um, so I'll leave that guy out of it, but I will tell you this. Whenever I am behind David Starr, I just it, I just cringe. It'll wake me up at night because uh, he he's harder than passing than a kidney stone. <laughs> <laughs> he's tough. But David and I are buddies, but he's one of those guys that when you get out on the racetrack, you know, you hear the cup guys complain about Newman. He'll race he'll race the leader to stay on the lead lap. I mean, in the Xfinity Series, that's David Starr. He is going to race you hard. He's not going to give you an inch. And you can be racing for 22nd place. And it's like, man, why are we wrecking each other for 20 seconds? But um, he's been in the sport a long time. He's had a lot of great sponsors. And when we talk outside the race, you know, outside of the car, he's like, hey, I'm out here to get every spot. When I put the helmet on, I really don't care who it is behind me or who is who it is in front of me, I'm going to go get it. And uh, that's rubbed off on me. You know, I have that, you know, I, I started getting more aggressive as uh, I've clicked off more and more races because you start getting confident, you start knowing where every corner of the car is, and you start understanding how the air works. I mean, you don't have to bump someone to wreck them, and you don't have to bump someone to get them out of the way. Uh, there's a lot you can do with their spoiler and the air behind them or underneath of them in a corner that uh, will take the downforce off of them and, and make them slip up and you can get around them. And, and that's just being a good race car driver and understanding everything that's going on. And, and for me last year was taking a lot of notes. I can promise you that. Uh, absolutely. Like I said, that's, that's kind of where you got to be knowing the, the, to me watching it from when my old man watched it, it was, you know, you had the, the Earnhardt's just 
push you out of the way. Rusty Wallace push you out of the way. Now it's much more scientific, I think, from watching it and hearing the commentators about, you know, side drafting and bump draft, all that. It's, it's like I said, a little bit more scientific than the old, you know, ground and pound type of push your way through the, the field, so... Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely changed over the years, you know, with the cars having different ride height rules, you know, no ride height rule and cups, things like that. Aerodynamics have become a bigger play. I mean, when you watch, I mean, you watch Dale Sr. and uh, Bill Elliott, uh, the pass in the grass, right? I mean, those cars traveled so much. I mean, you watch them going through the trial of the ladder racetrack, and they're bouncing up and down six inches, and it looks like they're a Baja truck compared to what we race now. Um you know, I compare what we're racing now, you know, these bump stops and, you know, coiled bound and all this crazy stuff. Um, it's more like a go-kart. You know, it's so rigid. It's, you know, you're not really riding on springs and all that different stuff. So um, racing has changed a lot, and uh, some people like it, some people don't. But uh, it's going to be here for a long time, so I guess uh, you got to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Now... You said you don't have a lot of friends on the on the track when you're out there racing. Would you rather be an Alan Quickie one one uh, car team running yourself? You're you're the show. You're everything. You know, you're the boss. You're the driver. You're you know, you're setting up the car, all that. Or would you rather go to like a big team, a four car team? You know, something you know like a Hendrick. You know, Stuart Haas. What what would what would be your, if you will, dream team? Or would it be a Quickie? I think in today's NASCAR, you can't be a, especially at the cup level, I don't think you can be a one-off team like Kulicki and, and win um, because you need all that extra data. But um, I think it's, I think Kevin Harvick is the prime example. How can you go to a four-car team, utilize all their data, and by far be the best guy on the team, right? And that's Kevin Harvick. You look at Stuart Haas racing, they got a few wins from different drivers, but Kevin was just a standout because raw talent uh, came out and he won a lot of races. And you've seen at Hendrick, you know, for years, the 48 was just at a different level compared to the other three teams. So um, I think the four-car team and and, and just trying to be the best guy on that team is, is going to be the best way. Um, but then you look at, you know, Moffitt won a truck championship and he was a single truck team. Um, but you're, you're linked up with the best manufacturer, um, in the truck series for that year. You know, I mean, I, I think you see a lot of things change over time, Ford, Chevy, Toyota, it goes up and down. Someone feels like they have a leg up and, you know, it looked like, excuse me, it looked like Moffitt, you know, was the truck to beat all year and he was a single truck team. So I don't know for me. Um, I think it's having teammates, but being the best one. Okay, and then your dream team would be if you could if you could drive in Cup right now. Who would, who would you want to be riding for? Hendrick Motorsports. I'm a, I'm a Chevy guy, and a lot of people don't know it, but 14 months ago, I was selling cars for, for Rick Hendrick at uh, one of his dealerships. So uh, <laughs> Hendrick's uh, always in the back of my mind. Very nice. Uh, what would you consider the best party track? Ooh, Talladega is definitely the biggest party track, but I'll tell you, Michigan was a shocker. I did not realize, and Michigan's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, 
I was shocked at, uh, I mean, just the number of college kids and big parties going on was huge. Uh, for me, I stay focused. I'm there to, to, to race. But, um, you know, I like to cruise campground and, and sign autographs and meet potential new fans and, and talk about the sport. And uh, I was surprised at how many young people were at Michigan. But Talladega is definitely known as the party place. It's funny you say that. We interviewed uh, Jesse Little. I'm not sure if you, uh, you ever see him at the track. But he said the same thing, and it kind of took me by surprise, too. And I'm, I really got to throw Michigan on my list of tracks to go to because he said the same thing. Obviously, Talladega has its, you know, it's infamous for that. But then he threw out Michigan, and, and so do you. So, like I said, this is uh, this is kind of uh, impressive for them. I'm going to – they should have a feather yeah. in their cap for this. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, if you're 21 to 25, um, or that's what you're looking for, <laughs> Michigan is definitely uh, – Definitely um, a target-rich environment, but um, that's my favorite movie. But, um, yeah, Michigan's cool. And Talladega's great. The atmosphere, I mean, Michigan is a good race. I mean, it's okay. Um, I don't want to get in trouble, so I'll, I'll say it's a good race. But we all know Talladega is like the race, right? Everyone gets excited. Everyone's got a shot to win. Um, just the excitement around that weekend. And, you know, that 18-wheeler, for me, I love America. I promote that. So when that 18-wheeler is hauling the mail down the front straightaway with a big old American flag hanging out, and uh, I'm putting my heel booties on, and I'm about to strap in and get ready for the race, I've never felt more American than that, and uh, that's one of the coolest feelings I think you can ever have. Goddamn right. That's what we like here. <laughs> um, I do. Right now, who do you think is the, uh, or even one from the past, Who's the cutest monster girl out there that you see at the track? I don't, man, I'm terrible about that. Um, I don't know their names, but uh, most people that know me know I look at them all. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, that's free. <laughs> all right, like I said, you, you last year you ran your first uh, full uh, season in Xfinity. Uh, you're going to be doing that this year. What do you? What are your expectations for this season? And then, say in five years, ten years, you know, the future. What? What? What do you hope to accomplish and get done this year? Yeah, uh, for me, you know, you're going back to tracks for the second, third, you know, some tracks the fourth time. Um, you know, my goal is to go out there and and try and get some lead lap finishes. You know, most people know that. Uh, I drive for smaller teams, and, uh, you know, I'm always fighting to, uh, to run the best we can. Uh, we, we always run on a lower budget than most. So, for me, if we can go um, get, you know, double-digit races <laughs> on the lead lap, that'd be huge. Um, if we could uh, go get, you know, some crazy good top ten, maybe top five at a speedway, you know, you got three shots at that. And road courses have been really good to me. Um, we didn't put a lot of effort in it because we were in a point situation last year where we needed to finish all the road course races to keep us up in owner points for the bonus money. So, um, for me, that was a stressful time, but uh, we made it through it, and we still got, you know, 20th, 21st, 22nd a bunch. And I think if, you know, I was driving a little bit harder and didn't have as much to lose um, in those races, we probably could have easily got top 20s. So that gives me a lot of hope for uh, for this coming season, and I need to uh, you know do our best in the first you know 15 races to where in the middle of the year um, we're not at a situation where we need to conserve. All right, 
if you weren't a driver right now, what what do you think you'd be doing? Be selling cars with my dad at uh, at Hendrick Dodge in Concord. Um, and I tell you, um, my my dad's the number one Dodge salesman in the country. And um, while I was going to college and and racing part time, and um, you know, I I grew up in a family where you work, and you know, both of my parents work, and they're the hardest working people I know, and. Um, I started working at a young age, and um, I didn't start working at the, at the dealership. I uh, I started out washing cars at uh, at 16 here in uh, North Carolina, and then um, saw you know my dad being successful in the car business, and I was like, hey, how do I get in? And you got to be a certain age to sell cars. So I started washing cars, and then I got into um, you know being a mechanic, and then I did a couple years of, of sales, and um, for me. It taught me a lot about people and made it to where uh, I feel like I can talk to anyone. Um, you know, I, I sold vehicles to CEOs and I sold vehicles to people that were struggling to get a vehicle. So at the end of the day, um, I feel like it helped me become a, uh, a regular guy and, and realize how fortunate I was to be racing part-time. And then when I got the call to go full-time, I, I really appreciated it. I was ecstatic about um, being at that point in my life. And, um, you know, it was an exciting moment to, uh, you know, to kind of graduate from, from working with my dad. And my dad made so many connections in the car business and uh, uh, that has helped me in the racing deal. I mean, I, I was sponsored by Hendrick Dodge in my late model and things like that. And, and a lot of sponsors that have been with me have come through my dad making contacts in the car business. So um, not that uh, selling cars would be a bad thing, but uh, I am definitely blessed to be racing cars for sure. Very good. Now, we're about halfway through what I would consider the off-season. Um, you know, next thing to come up are going to be Speed Weeks and Daytona and all that. What is your off-season like? What You know, now that, you know, you're kind of right in the middle of it, if you will, what, what do you like to do to wind down? What I mean, do you do anything other than that? You know, hunting, fishing, anything like that? Yeah, for me, I love the outdoors. Um, I got a lot of partners in the outdoors. You know, my main sponsor, Grunt Style is a veteran-owned patriotic apparel company. I'm partnering with Fair Archery and Vortec Optics and the Hunting Buddy app. And everything about my program and my brand, the Spencer Boyd brand, is, is outdoors and veteran-owned. So um, really cool to have those kind of partners. I uh, went hunting with some veterans in New York and then uh, some veterans with another sponsor in Texas. Watched a uh, Tom, uh, real cool, um, 85-year-old Korean War vet went out there and, and killed his first buck at 85 years old, and I was standing right there in the blind with him and uh, helping him hold the gun steady and, and seeing a smile on his face um, was really, really cool for me. Um, I love uh, veterans and, and just all the sacrifice those guys and gals made, so I try to give as much time as I can, and I'm able to do that in the off season. And um, I love the outdoors. I harvested a couple of bucks while I was in Texas at uh, Trinity Oaks Ranch, and um, had a blast. Now uh, I love doing some bass fishing, but uh, it's cold here in North Carolina, and I do some simulator work, and I do a lot of marketing myself. So uh, I'm busy on the phone, busy connecting people with the team, and um, you know, no one, uh, no one's going to work hard for you if you're not working hard for yourself. So uh, that's something I believe in. Uh, my dad's always used the saying, "Hard work pays," and um, I'm a firm believer in that. So uh, surround yourself with good people and good things happen. Good, good. Um, 
you said that you were hunting up here in New York. Do you know? Uh, can you tell us where you were about? Because, like I said, we're we're in the country enough where, like I said, there's bucks running by us every day. Were you far upstate or? No, um, it was Canastia, which I think is like just west, mainly. Um, it's not real deep in New York, and it's on the west side. Okay. As you said, you know you like you like hunting, you like shooting guns. Um, your social media, like I said, you have you have a lot of you know videos of that, things like that. I mean, why don't you tell us about your social media? You know, anything that you want to uh, really focus in on for uh, sponsors? Like I said, you, you use uh, your main sponsor is Grunt Style. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, you know I'm active on social media. Um, I love interacting with the fans, and for me, um, letting people into my life. You know, a lot of people think. Uh, Every NASCAR driver is rich and famous and living the dream, and uh, definitely living a dream, but it's cool when people are like, man, you know, like, you're a regular guy, you're shooting guns, you're having fun, you're out hunting, you're hanging out with people. I get to travel and do a lot of cool things, but I also show people, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing marketing, I'm sending emails, been on the call for an hour, you know. Um, there's a lot of regular guy things that uh, you have to do as a race car driver and, and build your brand, and I like to have fun make uh, cool videos and just get people interacting with myself and my sponsors and uh you know i uh go go-karting at the at the local uh go-kart track you know gopro motorplex or k1 and invite fans to come out and hang out and it's fun you know to answer questions about racing and um talk to people that you know want to be a race car driver and you know answer their questions on what i did that i that i think helped me get to this level so uh, that's what i enjoy in the off season and and social media is cool to interact with everyone. And uh, when people start asking for videos, I'm like, man, I think we're doing the right thing. Nice. Um, you seem to be a big supporter of veterans, police, you know, firefighters, first responders, and all that. Um, what kind of really, other than being loving America, what really got you into focusing on them and, and supporting them as much as you do? Yeah, well, for me, um, a few of my cousins are Marines, and uh, my uh, papa was Air Force, and just goes down the line. There's a lot of folks in my uh, my family tree that were military or law enforcement. So um, I feel really fortunate um, to, to be a race car driver, and um, for my parents to help me get to this level and, and move. And, and um, you know, uh, I got a pretty big family outside of that. Um, you know, I'm an only child, but as far as cousins and things, I got a lot of them, and uh, they're all real supportive of racing. And um, for me, just, uh, you know, showing respect for uh, my family members that are veterans or active duty guys and um, law enforcement and things like that, um, we wouldn't be doing <laughs> what we love to do without them. And uh, I feel like as a 23-year-old, there's a, a lot of people in my age group that can just kind of give it or take it type thing. They don't really care. So, um you know, Josh, my PR guy, and I, we started uh, holding the American flag at, uh, you know, national anthem for all the races and things like that. And people started noticing. And then to see fans, you know, realize what we're doing and, and talk about it, it's cool. You know, we don't want everyone to talk about our best finish. You know, it's not all about the sponsor. It's not, it's about, you know, my brand and what we're doing and, and what, um, you know, what platform we have to bring awareness to this great country and, and all the opportunity here uh, in America and how we have those opportunities. So uh, I just want people in my age group to recognize that 
Uh, a lot of uh, guys and gals have, uh, you know, lost their life fighting for this opportunity and fighting for our freedom. And uh, I don't want that to go go off easy. No, you're damn right. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to uh, plug? Like I said, you could throw out grunt style. Anything you'd like to uh, get out there where you are on social media so other people can watch these uh, videos, see the pictures of you and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to have me on here. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Spencer Boyd, Instagram at Spencer Boyd PR, Facebook, Spencer Boyd Racing fan page. And uh, check out our videos. Uh, lucky to have some great partners, uh, Grunt Style, uh, veteran-owned patriotic apparel company, and Kick-Ass Beef Jerky, and Strike Force Energy, uh, another veteran-owned company. And um, check it out. Uh, we got uh, partners, American-made uh, mattress, DLX mattress, and uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of people help me get to this level and, and support me. And uh, any fan we can get, we appreciate it. And if you love America, I'm the guy you should be rooting for. There we go. All right, well, like I said, um, we're really appreciative of you to come on, speak with us. Um, we hope you had a good time. And like I said, we'll be out there uh, watching you this season during the Xfinity Series. So, like I said, very excited to see you out there, and hopefully we get some uh, good finishes. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time and uh, had some fun for sure. And hopefully uh, you guys like it and uh, watch me this year, and we'll have some fun. and. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll have something good for us to uh, get on another show and chat about. Yes. Excellent. All right. All right. We appreciate it. Awesome, man. Have a good one. Thanks, All right. guys. And that was our interview with uh, Spencer Boyd. So thank you for coming on, Spencer. Yes, thanks, hopefully, Spencer. Hopefully you had a good time. And uh, and like you said, uh, thank you for coming on. And that's right. Like you said. Like I said. <laughs> actually did all right that time. I didn't, yeah. I, I, didn't I was, I was trying to catch myself on that one. But, um, <clears throat> you going to make it? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I had to call my coffin for an entire half hour. <laughs> I'm glad that your lung did not fall yeah. out. Oh, thanks. Thanks. As we were talking about, Spencer is a uh, big fan of the vets. He supports, you know, first responders, things along those lines. And tragically, we had a uh, – and this one kind of hurts a little bit. This one kind of hurts a little bit. We actually had the uh, passing of, at the time, the oldest living – oldest living <coughs> – Sorry. You got it? Yeah. Okay. Oldest living American and the oldest living World War II vet in Richard Overton. He, oh. uh, this was, this was my was kind of guy. He was 112 years old? 112 years old. Uh, okay, I heard about him. And he, he was my kind of guy. Smoked cigars, had a Tommy gun. Right to the end, huh? Whiskey. Yeah, he, that's what he said about his life. That's what made him live so long was the fact that, you know, he would, uh, he would sit there and smoke like, I think they set up to 12 cigars a day. And, Christ. and from what I've read about him, he did not smoke like hand-rolled cigars. He smoked machine-rolled cigars, and there's a big difference. You know, hand-rolled are the kinds that we like to smoke. You know, the your Romeo and Juliet's, the, you know, the punches that I like, things along those lines. He did like, I'm not sure what his exact brand were, but like what would be considered like Swisher Sweets, White Owls. Okay. You know, not... Not a high quality cigar that probably those were even probably worse for you. I mean, cigars aren't good to begin with, but to be able to puff down that type of cigar, you know, that that had to have done a number on him, but <laughs> he, sure he survived. And like I said, true American right there, you know, he lived a long life, was a war hero and acknowledged by the presidents. And like I said, a, what I would consider a badass. 
Yeah, it so, all sounds like it. God bless him. Yeah. So he, he is gone. Yeah. And actually, he he kind of started the whole ball rolling on the recent events <laughs> that we've had. His was, a, his was a few weeks ago. But um, in the past day. Well, Wednesday, right? we yeah. had three. Three. Three of them, and they were all 76 years old. Yes. How creepy is that? It's it's a little we creepy. We had uh, Super Dave Osborne. Yes. It's, if you were under 30, you probably have no idea who no. he is. He was like a was he a stunt guy? Like, he was, he was a, like a he was a comedian portraying a stunt guy. Yeah, he was kind of Super like Dave a, was not it was it was was his like act. Yeah, he was like an evil Knievel, but it was like a comedy act, yeah. right? If they, if they, I, you, I had to explain it to someone who didn't know him. Yeah, that would be the best one. He was on David Letterman a lot back in yeah. the eighties. Did you know about him though? This this might throw you for a loop. Albert Brooks, you know the this actor? Is, yeah, his brother. That's his brother. Yeah, I knew that. All right. Yeah. Some people might not. No, you know, I, I didn't know that. Because if you actually looked at them, you would, they they don't really look alike. They don't. No. So it was. Didn't kind of, he have a cartoon? Yes, he did. In like the early nineties, he there was a cartoon with him. I don't know if it was his own show, but then he also had like his own like variety show called Super Dave. Yeah, I, I recall that so, so. at some point. Um, and then Captain from Captain Tennille yes. side. Is she still alive? Is Tennille still alive? I believe so. I can look it up really fast. Okay. I believe she is. Uh, they, what are they saying? They're saying Muscat, Muscat Love, right? Yes, yes. But there's another song, A Love Can Keep Us Together. That's right, yep. That's their, that's their big hit. And he always wore the, the captain's hat. Oh, because he was the captain. Yes, he now, was. They, ma- they were married for a little bit, they right? They were married. But they got divorced. Yes, they, they did separate. Okay, and I think they kept performing after that. Can you imagine performing with your ex-wife? Eh, if the money's right. Okay. <laughs> That's the way I kind of like uh, it. She is still alive. Tony Tennille. Oh, uh, okay. She's actually older than him. Really? By two years, yeah. Hey, good for him. That yeah. little cradle robber she is. Yeah, wow. He had a pretty cool fucking name. Yeah, Dragon. Daryl Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he really misses calling and being martial arts. Yeah, he could have. He really, he could have He could have made something out of that. Yeah. <laughs> the Dragon. But uh, but the big one in terms of me and you yes uh, is the death of WWF yeah it's WWF Mean Gene Oakland yes who uh, who passed away as well uh, this one kind of hit me hard because if you're a fan of eighties wrestling like uh, Tom and I are it's and pretty much all of our all of our well, all of our friends yeah. and for anyone out there I'm, I'm really speaking to if you're a fan of uh, that era of wrestling it's hard. Not to hear his voice I when mean, you think of it, like cause there was the big everybody. four of that era, and two of them are gone. To me, the big four, okay, Gorilla Monsoon, right, R.I.P., Mean Gene, yeah, Vince McMahon, right, and Jesse the Body. What about Bobby Heenan? Oh yeah, big five then. Okay, yep, five down now. So though. three out of the five, right? Yeah, yeah I, I totally <clears throat> lost Bobby Heenan. I mean, I, I consider Bobby Heenan over Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura was, I think, more... He was the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. He was them first few WrestleManias, the first few pay-per-views. And then he kind of went away. And that's when I think Heenan kind of got the the dissolving of the Heenan family. But that was more... That was a little bit later in the 80s. Yeah. If not early 90s. Right. And then eventually once Mon... Well, no, Monsoon was around for a while. Yeah, for... But he, he kind of got off camera and was more... Like uh, Maybe he became like the, the president. Uh, he took yeah, over he the, the Jack Tunney role. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then that's when Jim Ross got interjected. Yeah. And then Jerry Lawler. Mm-hmm. They kind of threw them in there. Yeah, and they yeah, became yeah. what I would – if you had to put in the last 30 years, mm-hmm. I, it's almost like an even, I'd say, 15-year cut between the two of them right now. Between the two, so. the two phases, if you will. Yeah. The early, you know, Ventura, um, Mean Gene, Vince. But Vince kind of stayed along the whole line until – Maybe 20 years. He was in there for 20 years. And then, like, maybe... Nah, maybe 15. 97. He stopped announcing. After the whole Montreal screw drop, drop thing. Yeah, and then he kind of got into more of the wrestling aspect. Like an on-camera aspect of, role. Yeah. Yeah. He st- yeah. I think the last time he announced was, like, right before that Survivor Series. And that was it. You didn't see him announce yeah. again. And, I mean, they've had a few people in there in between. Like the yeah. Todd Pettengill's. Top he was but, he became more like a Sean Mooney, Mean Gene guy, yeah. where he was like a backstage, but yeah. never really. But never like really what I would out. consider like a for that for those years, the voice of it. You know, oh, he yeah. did a lot of the announcing. Uh, that yeah, coachman guy, he did a little Jonathan bit. Of the yeah, he was kind of like at the tail end of that Attitude Era. Yeah, um, Bischoff when he. Yeah, came over. Yeah, and uh, didn't Vince Russo wasn't he was he announcing it? At he all? was announcing. He was a backstage. He was a backstage writer. guy. Yeah, okay. <coughs> yeah, that was kind of right when when he kind of. I think that's right where I kind of like tuned off after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stopped watching around like when WCW kind of ceased to exist. I think. You yeah, that's watching. that's when I kind of a got, lot a lot of people stopped watching. Yeah, uh, I think I, I would say I think the only one out of our friends is me and the King that still kind of watch it. Yeah, even I sort of don't. Watch it as much as I used to. I just don't have the. T- it got. I mean, I, I think we talked about sport. It, it got bad. It's not as good anymore. You can miss weeks and just watch the pay per view, but if you you can, you pretty much know what's going on. See, like, I think even if Vince took over, he should have left WCW as that. I kind of like that it was right. considered like this. Well, I don't want to say second tier, <coughs> but like it was the southern. You know, WWF was northeastern territory. Yeah, traditionally, then right. you know it became everywhere. But always the <coughs> South was that NWA slash yeah WCW. Well, they kind of have that now with that they 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 split them up. But what I was about to say is now there's a new promotion coming out called All Elite Wrestling, okay. which is like uh, Cody Rhodes, uh, Dusty Rhodes' son, okay. his other son, is in charge of it, and a couple other guys. But the co-owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, really, that Singh guy, yeah. He's he's helping. He's the he's the financer. He's like the backer. He's like the Ted Turner, really, of it. And they're like supposedly looking really? for a big TV deal, um, and they're gonna go hard at people like to get them to sign like big contracts. So he's 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 loaded, isn't he's he? He's fucking hugely loaded. Yeah, um, he I owns actually, a few things besides the Jaguars. He owns that. He owns a uh, Premier League soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be something else. I know those are the two big things that he owns. Yeah, let me but, just uh, double check. By that's that's it's definitely one of those guys from the Jaguars, but it's got to be him. But one of the guys I actually work with, yeah, he he doesn't do personal <coughs> bodyguarding for him, but um, I guess he owns a private plane, and with that, like if you have a private plane, you have to have like an air marshal type. I don't know if it's exactly an air marshal. Might be a different okay. name for it's it. Sha- you're, you're right, Shahid. Khan. Yeah. And Oh Tony it says Tony Khan, I'm sorry. He's the son of Shahid Khan. Oh, that's the son of it? Oh okay. Who purchased the Jaguars in two thousand eleven. So he's the son of Shahid. He has fucking money, you know, yeah. Either way. But so this, he's the investor. I'm sorry. Yeah. Shahid, uh, Tony Khan. 
but he <coughs> has to fly in the planes with him. He's mm-hmm. like an armed guard, so in case, like, I guess if... It, it, this all happened after 9-11, so I guess maybe if terrorists take over the plane... Yeah. Like, even though it might be a small, smaller jet or something like that, that he can kind of defend the plane. Right. If that, if, I guess if that's the proper way of saying it. Uh-huh. But he says this guy is loaded. Yeah. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. Like, on the plane to go from, say, New York to Jacksonville, you know, he, he has, like, $20,000 spreads of food. I believe it. You know, like, 58 lobsters and, like, a fucking keg of caviar. Like, I mean, it's just stupid money. And for anyone who doesn't know who this guy is, just look up his yacht. It is stupid. He... His yacht is essentially like a small cruise line. Uh, Tony Khan, he's the director of football operations of Fulham FC, a Fulham football club. Yeah. In West London. Yeah, that's the uh, Premier League team. He is the senior vice president of football football technology and analytics, Analytics, thank you, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Owns that football football team, um, or soccer team, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, he's... They have a big backing. So this might yeah. light a fire under WWE's ass to kind of be better because now you have a lot of you have a lot of those indie promotions now and they're getting bigger. But oh, they're yeah. almost like like remember like ECW was kinda like third place in terms of like all three of them? They're kinda like behind that. They're not as big as ECW, but like They're slowly moving up. Slowly getting there, but this one might just zoom ahead of all of them. But okay. I guess we'll see. But back to Mean Gene Oakland. Yeah. It, it, it's it was sad. It, it definitely made me sad when I heard about it. This is just another guy from our youth that's dead. I remember my, my dad actually called me. My dad used to watch it with okay. me. And he, he was like, yeah, he's like, all these guys are dying off. He, I was very shocked at this. I didn't realize that he was in this bad of health. I remember seeing him on something a few months ago, and he, he didn't look good. Well, he did a, it, um, he did a Mountain Dew commercial. Oh, yeah, with... With uh, Kevin Hart. Yes, it was with Kevin Hart. And he didn't... And Kevin Hart was essentially playing the role of... Yeah, and that was, like, what, in the summertime? That was, like, summertime, yeah. But he, I mean, he was older. Yeah. So, like, I didn't attribute him looking older, if you will, to that, as opposed to him being really sick. Yeah. But he was, uh... Yeah, I guess he had bad kidneys. I guess he had transplant. Apparently, it, like, happened really fast. Like, everything kind of just, like, went down. Then I heard he fell a couple weeks ago, and then... His son said he fell a couple weeks ago, and then from there, it just pretty much was down. Do you know? Here's an interesting fact. I don't. His son was drafted in the NHL by the New York Islanders and played four games for them. Mean Gene Oakland's son? Yes. Oh, shit. Yep. Really? Yep. What happened to him? He uh, he had, I guess, like chronic knees. Oh, really? And had to retire out early. Wow. What was, but, how long ago was that? Oh, this was a while ago. Oh, okay. This That's was probably shit. in the maybe 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's 76, so his son's probably... Probably in his 40s, I would say. 40s, 50s. Yeah. Okay. So Interesting. But yeah. Very interesting. But and and he that was actually his name. It was Eugene Okerlund. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have any. No, that was his real name. Yep. He didn't. He didn't ch- change anything on it for. Nope. Television, but no. I mean, he provided some great interviews. He, I mean, he 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 set the example of being deadpan and really. Well, what he if you look at announcers after him, with the exception of, there was Gordon Soley, who was a who was a really good announcer. Mm-hmm. You know who he is? 
If I saw a face. Yeah, he was a he did, but he did boxing. He did. He was like the sports announcer in like the sixties and seventies. But he did wrestling also. Okay. Um. I mean, the type of announcer that Mean Gene Oakland did doesn't exist anymore. Like, they don't talk. There's no like uh, conversation back and forth. It's like, what do you think of tonight? Or blah 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 blah. Guy talks. Guy walks off. That's it. Yeah, he the would does not with talk. Him. Yeah, he would throw it back to Vince McMahon or whoever. That it doesn't exist anymore. That's why this and, guy's and the they greatest. seem to be too emotional. <clears throat> what do you mean? I've noticed with like a lot of like when you have like interviews like that, like when like say Todd Pettengill was giving a, a back, yeah, he would get like you know like all like jumpy, I guess you could say, like excited. Yeah, Mean Gene just. Oh no! Yeah, he kept it. He kept it down yeah, well. You he know, did. Well, he, he was good at his job. That's he, the man who was good at his job. He was excellent at his yeah. job on doing that. Um, like I said, between the Macho Man and Hogan, and I mean all, the classic interviews. I mean, if you go back and look, but he also had one of the greatest flubs. Which one? SummerSlam '89. Is that when the thing fell? When the, and you hear him yell, <laughs> "Fuck it!" Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For that to go on. And then the, the the best part about that was if you watch it, like it's so uncharacteristic for him to say that. But then afterwards, when uh, Jesse Ventura comes at him and is like, you know, that troublemaker, Mean Gene, that's what set it up as great. Really? Yeah. If I didn't it, hear that. Yeah. If you like, right afterwards, right after it cuts back to from the the interview in the back to up to them, Ventura says something like. He might be saying it to Vince or some whoever he's in or whoever his partner was at the time. He's like, "That mean Gene, he's a troublemaker." <laughs> I I found it. Okay, I found it here. We'll, we'll play it here. We'll play right. it for everybody. Juno, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. <laughs> Damn it! Who put that up? Is that two hundred dollars an hour? Fuck. Oh wait. It's publicly stated that. Oh. Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. I don't know why I kept repeating, but there you go. You yeah. got the gist of it. <coughs> well, I mean, just a, a great moment. on, And they could have probably cut that out. That's mm-hmm. the best part. Well, it was, it was live, I think. But, I mean, 15-second delay, you could have. True. Yeah, that's it, true. It, it almost made for, like, better Fuck TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's $200 an hour. You know what's sad? I, when I was watching this. All three of them are dead. They're all dead. It all was dead. Rick Rude, Bobby Heenan, and Mean Gene Oakland. Now yep. all three of these guys are dead. And if you go in order, would it be they all... Rick Rude died first and Bobby Heenan was last year. Yeah, but was and... Bobby Heenan older than... Uh, Well, Rick Rude was really young. Yeah. So uh... you'd almost expect like Mean Gene to go first, then Bobby, and then... Bobby Heenan was 72. Yeah, so he was yeah. still younger than. It really, I guess, yeah. They went. They died in opposite of they what really they should have. The natural that's, progression. That's so fucking sad. Yeah, but, that's really sad. All right, well, on to some later. We were talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the NFL playoffs are yes. starting uh, today. Yes, Saturday. You must be fucking livid. Ah, you know what? No, I'm. I'm Tom's I'm disappointed. A, if any new people to the show, Tom's a big Steelers fan. Yes. They shit the bed. <laughs> they, they've only themselves to blame. Yeah. You know, you can't sit there and wish 
to get into the playoffs <coughs> based off of another team's performance. Yeah. You have to get in there What and the win. fuck is happening in Pittsburgh, though? I mean, first it was Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Now it's Antonio Brown. Something's going on with him. I don't know what this the hell's is, going on well, in that organization. I'm not, I know, I'm not going to blame the organization. I'm going to blame the NFL. Okay. They are... I love the sport to death. But you have this tough guy, thug, stupid ghetto ass mentality. <laughs> right. It's the nicest way I could put it. It's it's not and this is why I love hockey. Because you hear it in hockey, like we won as a team. It you know, it was a group effort. The team won, you know, the team lost. Yeah, NFL's it, very me, me, me. Me, me, me. Same thing with basketball. It's a me, me, me sport. And unfortunately the Steelers have and they've had this in the past. They've had a lot of me, me, me players. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And to their credit, they've stayed good for the past two decades with these me, me, me players. And what they've done is they've shipped them along. Yeah. You know, there's handfuls of guys that just were troublemakers that didn't fit the mold. And they they got shown the door. And for the most part, a lot of the times when they left, they, didn't, they were not what they were in Pittsburgh. Right, right. So, I mean... Manuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes. I mean, the the list goes on and on and on. So, as I've said before with Le'Veon, if we can trade Antonio, I'm very confident about Juju. Right. I'm very confident about this Washington kid. This little guy, Switzer, he reminds me of like an Amendola, Wes Walker type, you know, little white receiver that's like, you know, five foot three and he just catches everything. And <clears throat> I, I'm not really too worried. Mm-hmm. Running backs, we have this uh, Connor, and we have what's name uh, Samuel, who's playing you know good at the end mm-hmm. there. I'm not really too concerned. Uh, they'll be all right. I, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I really, you know, if we can get some draft picks out of it, maybe you know find a future, you know, quarterback, you know, that can sit there and Aaron Rodgers it to Ben. Yeah, I'm all right with it. So, yeah. but they they only have themselves to blame. I was actually up at. Uh, I was at um, a concert in Monticello. I went to go see Brett Michaels when they were when Cleveland was playing, and they just again I don't get this mentality when it comes to football. Cleveland, run the fucking ball. Yeah, uh, they were like I don't know how far away. It might have been even ten yards, uh, but they had four plays to get a first down. Run the ball. The clock's on your side. I just I don't get it. I don't get I don't get these teams, but. Anyway, um, we right. decided to play a little game. If you want yeah, to explain the we're rules, gonna, we're gonna do a instead of doing it every week like we have been doing because that was that was very taxing on us. Uh, oh, before I even get to that, I just want to announce the not oh, a yes. winner because they're not winning anything. No, but the uh, best of the best record. In the and 15, I have no clue who this is, so I'm very the, excited right now. In the 15 weeks that we had a guest, mm-hmm. one person got a four and one record. Everyone else was three and two, two and three, or one and four. Okay. And the winner of it, I'm very proud this came from someone I got was uh, my cousin Mike. Okay. Who went four and one, and that was back in October. Big fan of the show. Big, he is a big fan of the show. Uh, so congratulations, Mike. Uh, we have nothing for you. I think I'm getting together with him this coming week, so I'll buy him a beer or something. Okay. So or, you happy. know, give him that bread that's on the table. I could, I could do that, yeah. so. <laughs> okay, I got you a loaf of bread. There we go. <laughs> Butter, All right. Butter's optional. Love. So, uh, as previously stated, we usually did every week. Yeah. 
We're going to do it a little different this time. Change it up. We're going to do like a Final Four-esque kind of bracket where we just throw them all out there from first round of the Super Bowl. A wild card, right? Yeah, well, okay. I mean wild right. card. I call, I, I call it the first round. It, it essentially is. Because <laughs> yeah. the first round, it's a first round bye, but they call it the wild card. Yeah, I know. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It, it's, they contradict themselves. Them fucking bastards. Uh, so, let me get this started, I guess. <clears throat> do you yeah. want to do, I'll do the first round first? Or do you want to just go each pick? Since essentially we're doing the same thing. We could picks. do that. All right, all right. All right. Uh, so, we'll start with the Texans against the Colts. Okay. Okay, Um, I'm taking the Texans to beat the Colts. As am I. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want to just stick with AFC? Or yeah, you... we'll go. We'll, we'll run. We're on the, the awesome. gauntlet. Uh, next one: Ravens against the Chargers. I'm taking the Ravens. Oh, really? Yeah. I think. I think. I think. I think an upset's definitely coming in this round, and I think it's the Ravens. They're going to upset the Chargers. I do not think that way. I'm going with the Chargers. Okay. No, there we go. Now we have, to, we have a different bracket already. Melvin Gordon is healthy again. He was out for the last few weeks there. <coughs> he's back. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to fall back to earth. Yeah? Yeah. I think that, you know what, I think this is going to be not the curse of Edgar Allan Poe or the Raven or whatever the hell it was. I think we're going to have the curse of Joe Flacco, and I think the Ravens are going to fall on hard times. <laughs> it is, you know what? I, yeah, God bless Joe Flacco, but I, I just I have a feeling that the Chargers aren't going to have an easy time with this against the Ravens' defense. I just I just don't think it's going to. Then they got to travel. Yeah. So. All right. So now, do you want to do NFC first round, or do you want to keep going AFC? You want to just do all the each round. Do each round. Let's okay, go so to the go, go to the NF. Okay, Cowboys against Seahawks. I'm taking the Cowboys. I am not. I'm going ah, with the Seahawks. All right. Seahawks always they always get there, and it, yeah, but I don't know. I feel like they kind of squeaked in this year. They had a solid end. They did, but I, I can't. I, don't, see I the, can't really. I can't see them. Cowboys <laughs> got hot the last like. I say the second half of the season after they're yeah. by. They got big, and I hate the Cowboys. So that's a lot to take me to say that. I know uh, it was uh, Susan's birthday the other day, and <coughs> she is a huge Cowboy fan. But I think that Susan's a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Oh, well, your dad was a Cowboys. Fan. No, no. Who was your dad's a fan of? He was a fan of the Denver Broncos. That's what it was. The Broncos. Yes. So, wow, they're two big seventies. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so well, he was a Cowboys fan. Oh, that that hurts. Yeah, yeah she's a. All right, oh. but uh, I I think that the playoff what is it fertility 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 yeah is gonna continue with the boys. Well, so. I think I think so too, but not in the first, not in the wild card mm-hmm. round. Uh, Eagles against the Bears. I'm taking the Eagles. Ooh boy, the Bears. <coughs> this Nick Foles. That's what comes scares alive me. in the That's playoffs. What... This is last year all over again. Yeah. Eagles are they they lose their top guy in the middle of December, same as last year. Nick Foles comes in as a substitute, same as last year. They got hot at the end of the year, same as last year. They're coming to play. I, I think were they wild card last year too? Yeah, yeah, wild card again. Something is up. I I just feel like there's some kind of that's uh, what scares me. That, that 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 this was the hardest pick for me out of the out of the four. And the Bears, de- they're going against the Bears defense, which was the best defense in the mm-hmm. NFL this year. That defense is going to crumble this 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 weekend. I just I I think the Eagles are gonna I think the Eagles are gonna win this game. 
Alright, alright. You want to keep with that and go up? Or you want to go back to the uh, we'll go AFC? Go back to the AFC. Alright. Go back to the AFC. Alright. Now here's where it's going to be a little different for us. Because you yes. picked different teams. Okay. So because the Ra- I had the Ravens beating the Chargers. I had them playing against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Alright, the Chiefs are going to beat the Ravens. Not going to destroy them? They will destroy them. Okay. And I won't hack along this time. <laughs> I think that the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs. Wow. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm interesting. Yes. I I do. The, ever since Kareem Hunt <coughs> had to kick that lady in the head, they have not been the same team. <laughs> so I do not think that they are going to uh, go there. All right. Um,. I have the Patriots. Do you have the Patriots playing the Texans? Yes, I do. Okay, Patriots are going to beat the Texans. I believe that the Texans are man, going. To, man, we have such different brackets. This is crazy. I, I think that we are seeing the crumbling. <coughs> Finally, the crumbling. You know something? Of, I was starting to think that, but then all of a sudden the Patriots played the became. Jets. They played the Jets. Yeah, but, let's, 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 but then let's, the Patriots became the number two seed. All they were the wild card two weeks ago. Or the, they were going to be in the wild card round, I should say, two yeah. weeks ago. But they, but look who they played at the end. Steelers yeah, beat them. Then they go up to Buffalo, and yeah. then they play the Jets. We're not talking, no, especially got- especially that last week. They played probably the worst team in the NFL. Just a shit, crap, fucking <laughs> nothing, disgusting waste of fucking seat, stadium, Ugh. turf, cleats, beer, pretzels, parking lot <clears throat> team. Just a shit chut team. I was waiting to see how long you went and how many more things you would come up with for this shit whole team. It was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, I was impressed. That, that, that was a throw out to someone. <coughs> he knows who he is because okay. he likes that oh, shit team. Uh, but That could be a, couple, a few people. Right? Well, I, he knows who it is. Uh, shots are fired. Yes. Uh, 14 playoff appearances in their existence. Just throwing that out. So you have... The Texans beating the Patriots. Texas beating the Patriots. Okay. So let's jump over the NFC. Boop. Okay, so I have the Saints playing the Eagles, and I think the Saints are going to beat the Eagles. Saints are playing the Eagles. See, I have the Saints playing the Seahawks. Well, that's because you picked different teams. So I'm going to take the Saints over the Seahawks. Okay, I was going to say, if you pick the Seahawks over the Saints, they're insane. Nope. The Saints are a very good team. I have the Rams playing the Cowboys. Rams are beating the Cowboys. Rams against the Bears. They learned from their mistakes a few weeks ago. They are going to give Todd Gurley the ball. Yeah. He is going to run the fucking ball. And the Rams are going to win. Okay. They're going to go marching into the so Saints. So we had the same NFC championship. Saints-Rams. Completely different AFC champ. Mm-hmm. My AFC champ. My AFC championship is the Chiefs against the Patriots. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Andy Reid getting to a Super Bowl? Yeah, I th- I think so. It's it's, it's, it's only been time. like fifteen years. Yeah, it's his time, and I can't. I someone's got to take the Patriots down. Well, I think it's the Texans. Yeah, last round. Well, well either way, they lose in our bracket, so yeah. I'm happy with that. Now I have the Texans against the Chargers. <clears throat> I'm going with the Chargers. Okay, I'm very high on the Chargers. I, I see that they. I think they're going to surprise. Well, a listen, lot of people. if they were that good, they would have won their division. That's all I'm saying. Not this not to say they aren't that they aren't they are they're a very good team, but yes. so I guess we'll see. I have the Chargers in the Super Bowl. 
I have the Chiefs. Who will be going in on the NFC side? Saints. Saints for me as well. Wow. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl? I got to say, like, either way you look at it, we both have very good Super Bowls. I have the Saints against the Chiefs. You have the Saints against the Chargers. I think very good Super Bowls. Yeah, very good Super Bowl. I would, I would like to see either one of these Super Bowls happen. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very good Super Bowl. Yeah. And it would almost be... The reason why I like my pick, Drew Brees, getting towards the end of his career. I don't think he's done yet. Yeah. But he's getting towards the end. He will fittingly go and play his drafted team, his old team, the Chargers, and win. Oh. I also have the Saints beating the Chiefs. Okay. In the Super Bowl. So no, no, uh, no. no Super Bowl for Big I Red? Like, I like my pick because I think if this happens, it's going to be a very high-scoring uh, Super Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah. I think either way it might be. Uh, uh, the Chargers have a better defense, though, than the, than the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, but I think this, if this happens, this one, very high-scoring Super yes. Bowl. I just, I'm not sold on this Mahomes guy. I really am not. Numbers don't lie, man. He had a fucking phenomenal season. Yes, he did, but he has super weapons with him. He does. Oh, no, listen. But you could say that about a lot of QBs. You take their weapons away, and they're nothing. Yeah. So, of course, but he has those weapons in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, as of right now, I think that's going to help him get there. Next year, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But for this year, he's top of the game. Yeah. And I think, like I said, with Kareem Hunt there for half the season, that kind of they they were yeah. what were they like nine and zero or something? <coughs> they were nine zero when they played uh, what's his name the Rams. Yeah, it was, I think it was the battle of undefeated teams. Yeah, they wasn't were both nine and zero. I think so, that was some fucking game. Yeah. So those are our th- right. that's our that's our prediction. As that's as prediction. as it goes on, we're probably all going to be completely wrong. And, we might be. We might not be. Yeah, we I, might not I be. really have a good feeling about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right. Oh, not the Chiefs. I'm sorry, the Saints. Oh, the I Saints. think the Saints are very good feeling. Yeah. The Rams, as good as they were this year, no, I don't think Jared Goff. He'll have a great game, but then he'll have like five shit games. Yeah, and Todd Gurley's hurting. Yeah, he's been playing hurt. The yeah, entire... they, they, he's he ain't a hundred percent. He just don't need any catastrophic injuries. We got to keep him on yeah. the PNTs for another uh, another year here. Yeah, but um. As we get closer to Super Bowl, and we actually have the the definite players in this or teams yeah. in this. We will we will do it again. Hopefully, it's one of us correct. I hope so. So, but I All guess right. we're coming to the end of our show. Yeah, we uh, we'd like to thank uh, Spencer Boyd again for joining yes. us. Uh, follow Spencer on Instagram and Twitter at Spencer Boyd B O Y D P R. So Spencer Boyd P R. Um, while you're at it, if you're following people, you can follow us on Twitter, Bullring PC, Instagram, Bullring PC. Uh, yes, you look like you're about to say something. Nope. Oh, okay. He's looking at your handsomeness. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, until next week, I'm Joe. I'm Tom. And good night.